around up and let's begin worshiping. Turn to someone and say good morning. Tell them you're glad to see another face, and we're glad they're here. Hi, Wendy.
so nice to be able to gather together. Did you notice there's more chairs? That's good news, right? It's exciting. So in Psalms 19, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Anybody see the sunrise this morning? Beautiful. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. The heavens make him known. That's remarkable. They speak without a sound or a word, and their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. So we get to have a voice, and we get to tell people about Jesus. How awesome is that? Did anybody tell anybody about Jesus this week? And just say, man, I'm so blessed to be able to do that. It's so awesome that we get to tell people about our Savior, and I don't want to miss a chance in that because he loves you, and I want everybody to know it. So let's pray and welcome him in this morning. Lord Jesus, come into this place. Father, you are welcome here. We have been worshiping you since early this morning, and we're so grateful that we get to come into your throne room, that we don't have to have someone in between us to mediate, that we get to approach you ourselves. We get to stand at your feet and kneel at your feet. So thank you, Father. Whether we're in the living rooms of our homes or whether we're sitting here in this room or listening on the radio, Jesus, however you see us, Lord, thank you for letting us come to you. You are welcome here, and we ask your spirit to come into this place. I pray that we'll check all of our stuff that we're worried about or distracted by at the door. Lord, let us be in this place completely devoted and focused on you. Get our hearts and our minds aligned with yours and feel welcome here, Holy Spirit, because we want you here and we need you and we love you. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's continue to worship. Before I had a name, before I'd be free. 
Good to be rescued. Amen.
so much. How awesome that we get to come to your throne. Thank you for making a way. I don't want to ever take it for granted, Lord. And this world needs you. So Jesus, we love you first, foremost, and above all things. And Lord, I just pray that we honor you in that with our, our tongues, with our thoughts, and with our hearts. Because what goes into our hearts, what's in our hearts, comes out of our mouths. So Lord, let us honor you. Let us love on you, Jesus. And thank you for loving us.
just want to remind you all that uh, you can put your offering in the back. That's part of our worship with him, is to trust him and give back to him and know that he's working all things for his good. So I wanted to remind you that that's back there, and Pastor Matt's going to lead us in prayer. Good morning, church. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your goodness. In the midst of uh, trying times, in the midst, Lord, of, of days where we uh, sometimes, uh, it's easy for us to just look in so many different directions than look in full into your glorious face. God, today we come here for one reason and one reason alone. We are here to worship you, Lord. We are here to proclaim you are King of Kings. And we ask, God, this morning that you will come among us in a mighty way. And I pray, Lord, that through the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us directly, God, at the point of our need. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing, all that is to come because of your goodness, because of your grace, and because of your perfect rule and mighty hand. We say, say to you, God, uh, we praise you. And today we place our hands, our hearts, our minds into your hands. And we ask you, God, to renew us, recreate us, and bring about something new this morning in Jesus name and together we say amen amen good job I like that amen thank you well before uh, before we dismiss the kids they're not going to be dismissed yet I want to ask uh, Mackenzie and Eric and Jack to come up here if you would just come up onto the stage and uh we have some exciting news that's happening in our midst, but each of these individuals has felt God leading them in a calling in their life. And, uh, and so I, I, just, I just commend them for saying yes to God when there's so many other things that they could do, but we thank God that he is still calling individuals into kingdom ministry. Amen? It's good to see this, and Jack, it's great to have, uh, to give Jack and Mackenzie and Eric their local pastor's licenses. We, uh, as a board, uh, under my direction, have uh, given them and voted to, for each one of them to have their local pastor's license, and what that means is that you and I are going to encourage them in this calling that God has placed on their life. And so as we work together in the kingdom, it's good to know that God is still up to doing new things and calling people into kingdom work. Amen? So, well, today I just want to ask you to welcome them in. And I also want to announce uh, the good news that I am bringing on Eric as on the staff as our administrative pastor. He's going to help me as we are building structure here within Woodland Life Center. And uh, it's good to have him. And just so you know, I know that some of you might be thinking right off, well, how do we have money to do that? We don't have money to do that. Okay? And so here's the wonderful thing, is that God has made such a provision in such a way that Eric is doing that, and we don't have to pay him. So isn't that, but we need more employees like that, don't we? No. <laughs> Wait a second, that's a double-edged sword. <laughs> well, it's so good. It's so good that God is moving. I'd just like to ask you to just give them a warm hand and... Uh, Amen. 
And I'm going to pray over them right now. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in Jack's life and Mackenzie's life and in Eric's life. I pray, God, that this calling that you are birthing within them, that it will come to full fruition, that they will blossom and that they will find success here in our midst. And Lord, help us as their church to encourage them, to to, uh, continue to lift them up and to give them words of strength and And let them know we're right here uh, cheering them on, God, for all that you are doing and are going to do. We pray these things and we thank you, God, for all that you are up to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You you may be seated. Thank you. Uh, Kids, you are now dismissed. I didn't want to send you out there without, uh, without Mackenzie. That could have been a mess. So we didn't want to do that. (laughs) Also, before we continue, I wanted to just announce, just so you uh, know what's going on, that we are actually, as a church, we're moving away from Facebook as a platform for our (laughs) announcements. We are going to be working towards uh, making our WLC Church website the central hub for all of our announcements and information. So just know that we're in the process of that as we are moving forward together. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you about the gift of grace. Anyone here thankful for grace? Amen. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, (laughs) When we aren't thankful for grace, God has a way of taking us off of our high horse and making sure we understand that we are creatures who need grace. One day, I was heading to the church. It was when I was pastoring at Castle Rock Church of the Nazarene. I lived in an area, a subdivision called Sapphire Point, and, and uh, it was right on the edge of town, so really there generally was no one coming down the, the road, and you had kind of this merged lane and right out of the subdivision. And This day I was in a hurry. I had a meeting. I had someone that I wanted to be there, and I was like, I needed to be there a little bit even early for this meeting. And, and I did one of those California stops, you know, uh, if, uh, at least that's what we used to call it, where you don't stop at all, and, uh, and, but I slowed down, you know, I just made sure that there was, and just as I slowed down and I looked over to my left, I realized as I was making my right turn onto that merge lane, there was a policeman, I mean, not 500 feet down the, I didn't even get off of the merge lane. I didn't even begin to hit the accelerator. I just pulled right on over, and sure enough, his lights came on. He was right behind me. He pulled up, came up to my window, and he said, well, do you know what you did wrong? Yes, sir, I do. I understand what I did wrong. What did you do? Well, I I didn't stop. I just kept on going through that stop sign. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Where are you headed? I said, I don't want to tell you. I really did. And, and, and his eyes got really big. <laughs> and I said, but I will. And I said, well, I'm the pastor down at the Church of the Nazarene down in town. And, and uh, I was on my way to a meeting. Well, is it something important? Was it a funeral or something like that? Or, you know, no, it was just a meeting. I said, I have no excuse. There's, I shouldn't have done this. I, I, I was in the wrong. I, I deserve the tickets go right ahead, I understand, and we, we both kind of smiled, and, and as I was just stating that, up the hill, cresting the hill uh, towards me, 
um, I happened to see flashing lights and a little horn was beeping. It was my youth pastor at the church. And I thought, and here's the policeman. And I said, and that's my youth pastor right there. This will be on social media all over Castle Rock before you probably get back to your car. <laughs> and he just laughed and we laughed. And of course, Ken, our, our pa- youth pastor, we, we laughed together. He came back up to me and he said, he said, you know, he said, it's very rare that someone says they were wrong and that they deserve the ticket. He said, I'm going to let you go. And I said, thank you so much. And I didn't give him a long sermon, but I told him, I said, you know what? It's interesting because this Sunday I'm going to preach about grace. You're going to be my illustration. <laughs> and so we laughed and, and uh it was a humbling time for me to remember. I'll try to fix this real quick. We all are in need of grace. And it's important for each one of us to remember, and maybe we could say it together this morning, uh, because sometimes as we move through life, we can forget that we are all sinners saved by God's grace. In a holiness denomination, it's easy for us to sometimes, you know, say, well, you know, you've got to do the right thing, you've got to make the right decisions, and that's true. But even the fact that you and I can make the right decisions in our life is because of God's grace. We believe in justifying grace. We believe in prevenient grace, that grace that kind of woos us to God before we even give our hearts to him. We believe in sanctifying grace that kind of perfects our heart and love towards the Lord, helping to make us Christ-like. But every bit of it, every bit of the steps that we take, it's only by grace. Maybe it'd be good to say once again, I'm a sinner. Maybe right now to yourself, I'm a sinner. I was, I was destined for hell. But praise God, I've been saved by grace. Amen? Oh. There's a pastor in the town that he was oh, so well-respected and so loved and everybody thought very highly of him. He had spent his last years of ministry in this particular town. He retired there, uh, and, and right up till the day he was dying, he was the pastor of a prominent church. Uh, that day that he was dying, he had enough strength to say, I would like to have a couple people by my side as I die. And so he called on one of the local lawyers in town and one of the local politicians that happened to live in their town and they came into his room and he asked them to come next to him on each side and sit down on each side of him he grabbed their hands and they just felt so blessed that they could be here in this final moment almost a sacred moment for him and they asked him they said why did you call on us to be here and he said well here's the thing he said i remember that when Jesus died, he died between two sinners. And I want to, too. 
Oh, we are all sinners saved by grace. Amen. And I got my first assignment. There were that first day. I, I think I may have shared a little bit about this once before with you, but in regards to the way it looked, I mean, we pulled up and there were mounds of dirt and no yard and the sidings falling off. And, you know, it's a typical first assignment for a pastor <laughs> in many ways. And, and once we got in and we got half of probably our boxes in, we went downstairs into the basement, tiny uh, parsonage. Um, but we went into the basement and we were greeted by a, a pond of poo. <laughs> the, the sewage had backed up. It wasn't anything that we wanted to see at that time, and it was just kind of the icing on the top of what we were seeing right off the bat. Uh, I was not real happy, and I remember Jackie and I just hugging each other, and I can't remember if we actually cried, but I know in my heart I was crying. <laughs> and Lord, uh, is this really where we're supposed to be? And, uh, and I, I had that temptation. Maybe you've had it too, where I just wanted, I was just like, you know, this is just embarrassing. Why would, why would, why, why didn't they have this checked out? Why wasn't it prepared? I don't understand. And, and I just kind of was going down that road in my mind and God began to just deal with me. And early on, uh, even before my first day preaching there, he was teaching me about grace. <laughs> and so I began to, think about the folks and they were so embarrassed I mean they had no clue that this had happened it was just came up and and they felt bad and and I had to ask myself what would I gain by jumping on them about this right now and the answer was nothing I didn't want them to have to make a choice between one wondering is this a, a pastor who's a powder keg just ready to go off at any moment or is this a grace-filled pastor who's going to love them even when things stink. <laughs> so God's grace helped me to laugh, helped me to build relationships in the midst of it all. And here's the thing, is that when I decided, you know what, instead of getting angry or pointing or whatever else, that I was going to walk with each person side by side, Here's a great thing, that church came together beside me and they began to walk side by side with me. And guess what? We learned to clean up the crap together. Because Jesus was teaching me something very early on in my ministry that people are more important than the poop. time we left that little parsonage it was better than it was when it was new I mean we literally went from top to bottom we put new insulation uh, new paint uh, fixed all the siding uh, new yard it was just beautiful but here was the more beautiful thing was that we did it together as a church side by side arm in arm we worked together and it was an amazing thing I'll never forget being in the backyard we're cutting lumber and some of the folks are bringing in food and and our little neighborhood right there they took notice because they realized, hey, this little church that has been fledgling for so long, there's something different there. They, these people love each other. They really care about each other. 
And we worked together, hand in hand, and our little neighborhood was impacted by the love and the laughter of that day and those days. John chapter 8, if you want to turn with me there. John chapter 8, we'll begin at verse 2. We're just going to kind of work our way through the story together. But we read about a young woman who is in need of grace. The voices had yanked her out of bed. It was early in the morning. Jesus had already gone to the temple. But, but the voices had yanked her out of bed and... And we can probably hear them in a sense saying, get up, you harlot. What kind of woman do you think you are? Priests threw open the bedroom door. They threw back the curtains. And they pulled off the covers. And before she felt the warmth of the morning sun, she felt the heat of their scorn. Shame on you. You're pathetic. You're disgusting. This woman, it tells us in Scripture, that had been caught in the act of adultery there in verse 3. She you don't even know. She probably may or may not even have time to cover her body before they marched her through the narrow streets. The dogs were yelping. The roosters were crowing and ran. And, and women leaned out their windows and mothers snatched up their children off the path to kind of cover their eyes of what was happening. The merchants peered out the doors of their shops and, and Jerusalem became a jury and rendered its verdict with glares and crossed arms. And if the bedroom raid and the parade of shame were not enough, the men threw her right into the middle of a morning class full of religious folks. You see, Jesus was already, it says in verse 2, back again at the temple. And a crowd was there with him, and he sat down, and he taught them. And that was where they brought this lady to be judged and scorned. The teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, brought a woman they had caught there and they put her right in front of the crowd and they said at that time they said in verse 4 teacher they said to Jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery the law of Moses says to stone her what do you say really they're really trying to trap Jesus they really couldn't have cared less about this one young woman she was just a tool for them to capture him. But he was about to teach a much greater lesson than ever began in that Bible study as he first got there in the morning. You can imagine there were stunned students of the law that were standing there on either side of her pious plaintiffs on the other. They had questions. They had convictions. This had to be done. It's time for you to stand up, Jesus. It's time for you to show yourself for who you really are. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery, her accusers crowed. Caught in the very act, in the moment in the arms and in the passion, caught in the very act by the Jerusalem Council of Decency and Conduct. And the law of Moses says to stone her, Jesus, what do you say? 
It's time for you to be bold, Jesus. It's time for you to quit playing nice guy and get real about the sin and start dealing with it in this country called Israel. The woman had no exit. There was no plan of escape. She couldn't deny the accusation. She'd been caught. Plead for mercy? Who was she going to plead for mercy from? From God? Because she'd been taught her whole life that God just couldn't wait to just find her screwing up and messing up in such a way and making a mistake where he could have the opportunity to punish her and make it rough and hard. The only God she'd known couldn't wait to punish her when she messed up, so... And his spokesmen were squeezing stones and snarling their lips. No one would speak for her. But someone would stoop down for her. They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. But, but Jesus stooped down. We would expect him to stand up. We would expect him to step forward, even ascend a stare and speak, but instead he leaned over, he descended lower than anyone else. He got lower than the priest, lower than the people, even beneath the woman and the accusers that were looking down on her had to look down even farther to see Jesus. He's prone to stoop, this Jesus that we serve. He stooped to wash feet. He stooped to embrace children. He stooped to pull Peter out of the sea as he was sinking there. To pray in the garden, he had to stoop before the Father. He stooped before the Roman whipping post. He stooped to carry the cross. Grace is a God stoops down with us. And here he stooped right in the sand. I mean, remember with me that the first time that his hands touched dirt, do you remember that time? He scooped soil up from the earth and he formed a man called Adam. <laughs> and, and as he touched that sun-baked earth beside the woman, Jesus may have been reliving the creation moments. Can you imagine that with me? Reminding himself from where we came. Earthly humans are prone to do earthly things. Maybe Jesus wrote in the soil for his own benefit. I'm not sure. Maybe it was for hers to divert the gaping eyes from her scandally clad body. Just caught this woman who stood in the center of the circle. The posse grew impatient with the silence. They didn't like this stooping Jesus. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up, it says, in verse 7. And when he stood up, he, he was giving them a verdict, you could say. 
He lifted himself erect until his shoulders were straight. His head was high. He stood not to preach because his words would not be long. They were few, for he would teach by stooping again. He didn't address the woman. He stood on behalf of the woman. He placed himself between her and the lynch mob that was there. And he said, all right, stone her. (laughs) But let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. Then he stooped down again, it says, and wrote in the dust. In that moment, they had to be, the accusers had to be the ones who realized, you know what, I'm caught. They they were trying to catch Jesus in the trap, but really Jesus caught them in their own trap. They had to decide, well, am I going to be the one who really reveals their self-righteousness right here on the stage? What am I going to do? Name callers shut their mouths. Rocks fell to the ground, and Jesus resumed his scribbling. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, it says, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. But here's the thing, Jesus wasn't finished. He stood one final time, and then he did address the woman, and he said to her, where are your accusers? What, what a question. I mean, not just for her. What a question for us. What a question for you and for me. Where are your accru- accusers? Because I know you, you've lived long enough in this world. I mean, you don't have to be that old to understand that there are voices of condemnation who awaken us as well. You'll never improve. No one can love you. You failed again. The voices in and of our world. The voices that are sometimes in our heads. Who is this morality patrolman who issues a citation at every stumble, who reminds us of every mistake? Does he ever shut up? No, because Satan never shuts up. The Apostle John called him the accuser. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, it says, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then we read in Revelation that we heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, for the accuser has been thrown down to earth, this one who accused our brothers and sisters before our God day and night. You see, before he was thrown to earth, Satan himself used one primary strategy, and the primary strategy that he used was divisiveness. I could be better than God. Oh, and you know what? Uh, God, why are you being, 
Why are you being so good? Why are you, why are you giving grace to these people? I mean, he was accusing us before he was even thrown down from heaven. He was trying to divide and conquer before he was ever thrown out of heaven. Unlike the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which we thank God for, Satan's condemnation brings no repentance. Satan's condemnation brings no resolve. It brings no harmony. Satan's condemnation just brings regret and divisiveness. He has one aim. It says in John 10.10, it says to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to destroy your future. He has deputized a horde of silver-tongued demons to help him in this process, and they are consistently running to and fro, seeing who they can destroy. He enlists people to peddle his poison. Friends, dredge up your past. Preachers proclaim all guilt, no grace. And parents, and I am one, so I have to be careful. But sometimes I have been told of parents who own their, their own travel agency and they give out free guilt trips all the time. Oh, you too, huh? into adulthood, you may still hear their voices. Why can't you grow up? Why can't you be as good as your oldest sister or brother? Why, why, why can't you be more like their kids? When are you going to make me proud? Condemnation is the preferred commodity of Satan. He will repeat the adulterous woman scenario as often as you permit him to do it. Marching you and your name through the streets, dragging your name through the mud, he pushes you into the center of the crowd and he megaphones your sin. He's especially pleased when the church does his work for him as the Pharisees were so good at in that day. This person was caught in the act of immorality, yes. Stupidity, yes. Dishonesty, irresponsibility, plain sin. But here's the good news, church. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, here's the good news. Satan does not have the last word. Jesus has acted on your behalf. He stooped. Low enough to sleep in a manger. <laughs> he stooped low enough to work in a carpentry shop, sleep in a fishing boat, low enough to rub shoulders with crooks and prostitutes and lepers, low enough to be spat upon, slapped, nailed, speared, low enough to grab the ear of a government official who arrested him and who Peter was like, hey, Now's the time, Jesus. Now's the time to be bold. Destroy them all and let the Father sort them out. Just do it, God. I'm going to start here. And the ear came off. And what did Jesus do once again? He stooped. And he grabbed that ear. And he healed it 
the very man who is going to cart him off like a lamb to slaughter, to die for my sins. He stooped low enough to be buried, and it was a dark day. But here's the good news, church. Then our Jesus stood up. <laughs> up from the slab of death, out of a grave, I mean, upright in Joseph's tomb and right in Satan's face, he stood tall, he stood high, he stood up for the woman, he silenced her accusers, and he does the same for you and for me. Praise God. He's good. Romans 8.34 tells us that he is, he is in the presence of God this very moment, sticking up for us. That's the message paraphrase, and I like it. Jesus right now is in the very presence of God, and he's sticking up for you and me. He's, he's saying, I believe in these folks. He sees this. He says, I see Woodland Life Center. I see that church, and I believe in them. And when the accuser comes, oh, I can just kind of imagine Jesus' heel just kind of grinding a little bit more. You understand? Oh, I'm for them. Let this sink in for the moment. In the presence of God, in defiance of Satan, Jesus rises to your defense. He takes on the role of a priest and and in Hebrews 10, we were reminded in verse 21, 22, but it says there, since we have a great priest over God's house, let us come near to God with a sincere heart, with a sincere faith, uh, because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. Church, if you know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know today you have a clean conscience. You have a clean record. You have a clean heart free from accusation, free com from condemnation. It's not something you can do in and of yourself. It's by God's grace and by God's grace alone. But I want you to know, you have to make the choice to accept that gift. You have to make the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to pick up God's goodness and God's forgiveness and His cleaning and recreating of who I am, making me into a new creation. I'm not going to pick up Satan's crud any longer. offers unending intercession on your behalf, church. Jesus trumps the devil's guilt with words of grace. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. And he has raised us up with Christ and given us a seat with him in the heavens. He did this for those in Christ Jesus so that all future time he could be the one who shows us the very great riches of his grace by being kind to us in Christ Jesus. Scripture makes it clear it's not a result of your own efforts. You make the right, you've got to make the decision. 
you've got to repent and say, not only do I accept this forgiveness, but I'm going to turn from that sin. But it's God who makes it possible. And here's the thing that's just as crazy to me. When Scripture tells us that if it was not for the grace of God, I couldn't even make the step to say yes to him. That's how incapable I am. Uh, We love because God first loved us. That's scripture, folks. I can't even make I can't even make the right decision towards God if He doesn't give me the ability to do it. Wow. Woe is me. <laughs> but how great is our God? In Christ Jesus tells us in Ephesians that God has made us to do good works which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. And here's the amazing thing. When we find our identity in nothing else, listen to me, when we find our identity in nothing else except Jesus, the chip comes off of our shoulders. Amen? And once the chip falls, here's the great thing is that Satan is left speechless without ammunition. Sadly today I find sometimes that if, if you disagree with me or if I were to disagree with you that there's little room for grace. Sometimes it, it happens where we are much quicker to defend our rights or our opinions than we are to think of the other person first. That act of sitting down together and, and, and being gracious and charitable in the non-essentials, it seems to be a lost art. Keeping the issue the issue and not making it personal and stooping down to be with the condemned, it's just rarely seen today. I want you to know I don't care your background. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care. I don't care right now if you're struggling with a sexual addiction or or maybe you know a uh, unforgiveness or maybe a lack of uh, I don't, peace in your life. I don't care. I choose to love you because Jesus loves you. No matter who you are. And remember, I told you that story of Al, uh, my friend who was, I was his bar preacher. <laughs> when I came into the bar with him, he said, that's my pastor. I was proud to be Al's pastor. I'm proud to be your pastor. I don't care who you are. And here's the thing I will tell you is I am ready and willing, if you would want me to, to walk through the stink of life with you. Because that's what my Jesus does for me. Yes, some people in your life may really be toxic. I get that. There are people sometimes who are unsafe and, and you need to just let that lie. But that's the exception and not the rule. Most people 
one a friend who will be there by their side in the worst times of life, willing to walk through the poo with them as God does his work. There's a man by the name of Bob Goff, and I enjoy his readings, or his, his uh, writings, I should say, I'm reading. And he said something that I thought was so interesting. He said, I used to want to fix people. Now, I just want to be with them. You see, what he was proclaiming there is that if Jesus truly lives in you and me, it's going to change the ones that we rub shoulders with for the better. When Bob was a young man, he had a Volkswagen bug. Immediately, I liked him as I read his story. It was junk, he said, when he was a kid. But he was struggling in school, and things were not good, and things were not easy, and he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to get a GED, and I'm just going to be done with this. Well, he couldn't even do the GED. He said, I just give up. All I want to do is just climb rocks. I'm going to go to Yosemite. I'll find a job in the valley, and I'll climb. That's my plan for the rest of my life. So as a young high schooler, he got in his car, but he had built a relationship with a man. He said, I envied this man because he was, oh, uh, uh, an individual who, he had a beautiful girlfriend and had a nice vehicle and he had a beard. And he said, and I couldn't grow a whisker on my face. He said, at first I thought, what kind of high schooler is this? Has a beard already, full beard. Well, come to find out, he was a worker with Young Life and he just kind of hung around the school building relationships. And he and Bob, they built this amazing relationship. And, and he said, I just felt, I just felt like I needed, he, he, said, I, he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He knew a little bit about Jesus, but he, but, but he was learning a little bit more from this young life worker. And he said, I just felt like I needed to go to his house before I went on to Yosemite with $75 in my hand and an old Volkswagen bug and whatever I owned and just tell him what I'm doing. So he did. And and he said as he got there, he said he realized that he had woke him up because it took him a while to get to the door, and he was, he was just, oh, his hair was all a mess, and he was yawning. And he said his friend told him, wait just one minute. And he went back in, and he grabbed a backpack and a sleeping bag, and he says, I'm right here with you. Let's go. I'll help you get there and get settled. Let's just, let's just go. And so he did. And they got into the Volkswagen bug together, went across for several hours over to Yosemite and got to the valley. They slept in a, a tent that night and next morning he got up and tried to find jobs there and he said it was beautiful but he could not find one job. Next day, uh, his friend said, I'll stay another night with you. Just, that's just, I'm right here with you, buddy. And he, he didn't say anything else really. He just kind of was there with him, walking this journey together. Next day, they got up for a couple hours and scrambled some rocks, and then he went back to looking for a job. No luck. Everybody told him, no, jobs are hard to find here. There's not many places where you can work. Good luck, kid. And at the end of the day, the sun was going down, and he said the shadows of the rocks were pointing towards the exit. 
began to share his disappointment with that young life worker. And he said, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And, and his friend said, look, no matter what, I want you to know I'm here. I'm right here for you. So the next morning, they got back into the Volkswagen, went back home. And he said he, he dropped them off at his house. And as he dropped them off in his house, he said uh, he saw his girlfriend. Uh, she came right to the door. She was already inside, and she gave him a hug. And, and there are all these gifts and presents. Some of them were still unwrapped all over the, the floor. And he said he's looking at these presents, and he realized that they were wedding gifts. The day after they were married, Bob had knocked on his door. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to walk with him through this. And he said, right in then and there, he said, I began to understand what this Jesus was all about that he had been talking about. And I see him doing his devotions. And he, him, he'd read some stories to me. And he said, but right then and there, it became real to me. He never once told me, it's the dumbest idea you could think of. What are you thinking, trying to leave in school? He walked through the crud with me. And that was the beginning of his initiation of knowing Jesus. <laughs> what a beautiful story. I want to ask you today, can we walk together, church? I know that not every person in this room agrees on every crazy thing that happens in our world, and our world is a stinky one, and it can throw a lot of that stuff our way. But can we agree that people are more important than the poop. And be gracious and be Christ-like. Philippians 2 tells us this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Worship team, if you can come forward. I want to tell you today, as we, as we come to a close this morning, I'm so thankful for you, church. I'm genuinely thankful. And here's the thing that God is continually revealing to me in my years of ministry, that yes, Jesus is the answer, but you are the one who is called to be his hands and feet in our world. But it's hard for me to love you if I don't understand God's good, great grace in redeeming me. sing this song and we'll close with a word of prayer but I'm just going to ask you as we're singing this song would you just let whatever the Holy Spirit has begun to speak in your heart just let it just let it prepare good soil in you and let it grow good things in you just reach out for the Lord and say God whatever it is in my past whatever the things were that have hurt me whatever the things are that seem to drive me to do things that I know I shouldn't do I'm laying them at the cross.
There's no more unforgiveness for me. There's no other. The hurt, I'm giving it to you, Lord. I'm laying it at the cross. Renew my mind. Renew me as your creation. And leave it there. And when Satan and his accusers come after you, then pray it again. Lord, I'm putting it at the cross. I'm laying it.
that's the story. That is good news for us. I tell you what, I'm excited because I believe more than ever before. Maybe it's as growing as, as I'm growing older, but I just believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is looking at you this morning and he's seeing his church not only here but around the world and he's saying, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you and you know what? The gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. Amen. But it starts and it ends with grace. Amen. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace. And I thank you for your grace with me. I thank our board for their grace with me. You have a good board. I tell you what, this past board meeting, during our meeting, we took a time where every board member, every individual one around that room prayed over the sex success, not that, <laughs> the success of our church. And, and uh, sometimes you need a little more water keep those lips smacking, but they prayed over the success of our church. They prayed over the decisions that we're making. I want you to continue to pray for your board and for the leadership of this, our church. All of our leaders are having a leadership retreat coming up on February 20th. A man by the name of Dave Ramsey, who is the assistant DS and the of the Florida District Church of the Nazarene is going to be up and leading us with that. Pray for that time. I pray that it's just a great time of renewal and that God just comes in and, and gives us a new dream and reminds us of what our mission really is within the church. Amen? So pray for us and pray for your board as they're praying for you. Well, let's close together with our focus where it needs to be. Lord, we put our hearts and our minds on you before we began, and we're going to put our hearts and minds on you as we leave this place today. Help us, Lord, to truly reflect you no matter what. Help us, Lord, to truly be agents of your grace in the midst of a world that really stinks sometimes. I pray, God, that you will help us to keep our eyes truly focused on you. Lord, today I'm praying for great success over each person here, not in the way that the world calls success, Lord, but kingdom successes, God. We thank you for the ones who have already come to know you, Lord, this year through our church, the ones who have been baptized, the ones who have become members, the ones who are up the call and said yes to your calling, God. We thank you for all that that has happened. Even in the midst of COVID and craziness, God, you're still on the move. And so, God, we don't want to be in your way, but we want to be walking with you on that way. Lord, help us in everything we do. And I ask, Lord, as a pastor that you've called here, help me to love with your love. Give grace as you've given me grace. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Well, you're dismissed in God's great love today. You're glad you came to church this morning. Amen. Amen. We give God the glory. God bless you. It's good to see you. If you would like to talk, I'll be over here on the left. Mountain maker.
ocean tamer Glimpses of you burning my eyes The worship of heaven fills up the skies You made it all, said let there be i